but he's not letting the disability ruin his life or run him. He's still him. A disability is just a term. Like us with the brain injury, even though you can't see it, it's an invisible battle that we have to live with every day. We can still live the life we want and be how we want to be because a brain injury is just a brain injury. Not saying it's no big deal. It is. It's an everyday battle. But nonetheless, it's just an item. You are still yourself. You still have the advancement to grow, learn, adapt, and most importantly, live. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life. So when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. I'm here today with James Durham, and I'm super excited that he's here, and we're going to talk all about his lived experience, and then we're going to lead to what he has created and his organization. So James, thank you so much for joining me here today on Life Gets Mo Crazy. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity, Jamie. I really appreciate what you do, and especially allowing me to be a part of your phenomenal impact. Thank you. And I love what you do, which we're going to hear about. So let's start out by talking about your lived experience with a brain injury. Of course, yes. In September 22nd of 2011, at 9.30 at night, I was on the way home from an employee outing, and I was five lights away from my house. But unfortunately, I was involved in a very bad car versus motorcycle accident. I was on the motorcycle, but before I continue, I wasn't like your average motorcycle rider, meaning I didn't drive like the road was mine. I didn't try to speed. And most importantly, and which is rare, I chose to wear a helmet no matter the distance I was going on. So I wasn't, again, your average motorcycle rider. But back to the scene, I was just going home, like I stated, on the entry level to an overpass at 930 at night. That's when my life changed. And the reason why you are here talking to me right now is probably because you were wearing a helmet. Yes, ma'am. That's why I addressed that. Yes, ma'am. Helmets are very important. And we've all been to a certain time in our life where we convince ourselves, oh, we don't need a helmet, whether it's not only on a motorized vehicle, but it could be on anything, a bicycle, a skateboard, skates, scooter, etc. Because we convince ourselves and believe we're not a risk taker or we're not going that far. But like you had stated, because I was wearing a helmet and I was only five lights away from my home, it's still a close distance. We need to always protect our melon. Our brain is the only thing in our body that cannot be replaced. Yeah, that is so true. And I was actually in the High Fives Foundation. They put out a movie called Helmets Are Cool. And I was one of the people interviewed in it because with my accident, I was wearing a helmet at World Tour Finals when I crashed as well, which is why we're having this conversation right now. Both of us would not be here if we were not wearing our helmets. And then people say, sometimes, like the devil's advocate will say, well, you still had a traumatic brain injury. You were still paralyzed in a coma. Like, So what did the helmet do? Well, I recovered from the coma and I'm alive right now. That's what the helmet did. Accidents happen. 
Accidents still happen when you're wearing a helmet on. However, it's going to be less severe. And, you know, we're, we're, as we're growing, we're getting riskier and riskier or more adventurous. I mean, when I was competing in slope style skiing, it was a big deal. I was the first woman in the world to do a double flip. It was still really crazy. And now at X Games this past year, girls were doing triples, which means that it is progressing and we are doing more dangerous things. However, if we protect what we can control, we can put the helmet on our head and it will make it safer for us. I agree. And you know, not only thank you for all you've done, especially after your injury, but that's a great point. You know, not only the older we get, risk does seem to be more risk seem to be taken. We are risk-free, if you will, but also I agree with you. It's important to wear a helmet. I mean, it, a common phase that we've all experienced, someone say, oh, not only that we convince ourselves we're not a risk taker, but also the weather. Oh, it's too hot to wear a helmet. It's not that big of a deal. I don't need one. But in a matter of a second, not on the individual, the wrong place, the wrong time, something can happen unexpectedly. Even if, like, I'll give you an example. I had a friend who was longboarding, not doing anything crazy. After a ride, he was standing on the longboard, one foot on, one foot off, and it just ha- he leaned at the wrong 90-degree angle, and it slipped out from underneath him. If this is the curb, this is his head. The back of his skull hit the curb, and that gave him a severe traumatic brain injury, and he wasn't wearing a helmet because he was not longboarding anymore. But that just shows even if you're in the same environment, you still need to wear it until you're officially done. Yeah. And you had your helmet on when you had the accident and life can just change in the blink of an eye with a brain injury. So let's continue on that journey. So you've just been hit by the car and the motorcycle. And then what happened? Um, Thankfully, I flew into a light pole. If that light pole wasn't there, not only I would have gone off the bridge onto oncoming traffic at night, but also would have been a whole lot worse for everyone. So I'm very thankful that the light pole was there. But just like how you stated, I mean, I did have a lot of visible differences. I actually passed away on impact from the pole. So I had to have, when life light was there, they had to shock my heart a time or two. That went on. Then I was in a natural coma for five weeks, but I did have a broken leg. So they put some metal in there and I did have very bad damage to my left temporal lobe. So it was a severe traumatic brain injury and my face broken. I did have some organs uh, disrupt as well. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense. And so for the listeners, a coma can either be natural or medically induced. And it actually is much more intense if it's a natural coma. And with a lot of the media stuff I do, they will say, oh, Jamie was in a medically induced coma. And I'm like, no, like I've said this so many times. It was it was natural. So that means that his coma, his body just went into it naturally, which means it's more dramatic, more serious, more critical. And especially since he was saying he, he had to get his heart jumped back to life. That's pretty fortunate that you're here having this conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And I, I agree with you when the terminology of a coma naturally, I think, oh, it's medically induced. Some will not ask that, some won't. But they're, like you addressed, there are a big difference between medically induced and a natural. To the, to the ear, you think, oh, a medically induced must be bad because the term medical. But no, a, a natural coma is more intense because not only your body naturally goes into that state, but also comparing it to a medical coma. There is no control. 
you can't stop on a certain point. Like, oh, we're going to, like with a medical, you can cause when a person is going to have a higher percentage of returning, aka waking up out of the coma or not. With a natural coma, you just have to play the waiting game and do your care. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It sounds scarier because it has the word medical, but it actually means it's much more controlled. You put them in, you can take them out. You can say, okay, they're going to be in for three days. However, with a natural coma, you have no idea when they're going to wake up. And let's go to waking up because that's another thing that is portrayed in movies completely wrong. Um, A lot of movies, you wake up from the coma and you're like, hey, what happened? Where am I? No, like when I woke up from the coma, that meant I opened my eyes on my own command. Like two times in 24 hours means I woke up from the coma. I still had serious amnesia. I still couldn't talk, couldn't walk. I was like a, a newborn baby. So let's talk about the waking up process for you. I'm glad you mentioned that because when you hear the terminology, wake up, you think, or especially how they show it, you know, in, in the movies, oh, I woke up. Oh, hey, how are you? What's going on? I have no idea. I'm a little lost, et cetera. To an extent, I guess that makes it. So it's an educational aspect of, oh, this must be what it's like, but it's also a more educational aspect to prove this is not how it is. Let us explain more. So just like how you stated, you know, with the waking up, it was opening my eyes um, and being active. When I say active, it's not saying like, oh, open my eyes, look around, you know, like the movie aspect, being active for a couple of days and for waking up it w- and being active, like some days it could be for five seconds, then for some days it could be 10 seconds, then a couple of weeks it would move up to maybe almost a minute, then five minutes, etc. But it wasn't waking up, stretching, getting up, looking around. It was waking up, open my eyes, turning around and going back to sleep. Very less motivation of the term waking up. Yes, exactly. And so let's fast forward a little bit, touch on you waking up a little bit more and regaining yourself, your identity, like rebuilding into who you were. After a period of time, I mean, when I was officially then woken up and had an idea of to an extent what was going on, but I didn't know where I was, why I was in there to that degree. I then got transferred to the next stage of hospital, uh, aka rehabilitation stage of hospital, which of survivors know. And that's when, like you had mentioned earlier, it was where I had to go through the whole nine yards. And I say the same terminology. So great minds think like being similar to a newborn to where I had to learn how to sit up again, hold my head up. One means yes, two means no. And during that terminology in that time, I was told, okay, never going to be able to walk again, talk again, be independent again. One means yes, two means no. We're going to teach you how to be disabled. And Sorry if this sounds rude all, but you know, that was one of the most frustrating times of my life because I didn't want to be how they told me I was going to be, if that's understanding. So it motivated me to not only keep trying harder, but okay, you're giving me a bubble of my program and this is the best it's going to be. I'm going to show you differently and just go to how I knew of myself past this, even though I didn't, I remembered a cloud of different times of my life prior, but I still remembered how I was before, you know, able to be independent, be myself, walk, talk, move around, etc. So obviously it was a long road of recovery, but changing the terminology from recovery, because like we had discussed prior, when you use the term recovery, which is very common, not just in brain injury, but in any phase of life, you're trying to recover from a situation or situations in plural. Recovery is a common word, but that is kind of reflecting to, okay, you're going to recover to how you were in the past. 
to an extent, depending on what the situation is, that is possible, but you're still different. But with a brain injury, you're not going to recover to exactly how you were in the past, especially because it is an invisible disability. On the outside, you're going to recover to how you were in the past. That's awesome. But on the inside, it's a completely different meaning. So instead of using the word recovery, I always use the word discover because I'm going to discover either how I was or what is different to me short term and especially long term because of my brain injury. So with going through that aspect, like, for example, some of the long term differences that I did discover and had to adjust with is because of my accident. I'm completely blind in my left eye and deaf in my left ear. I don't remember what it's like having only one eye. But this is norm to me, so I had to discover, okay, this is what it's like now. I do have some difficulties with my depth perception, you know, turning, making sure I look twice, you know, the famous motorcycle saying, look twice, save a life. When I walk around, I always do look twice when I drive, et cetera. But there also are some differences also, like we were discussing with vocabulary. Communication is a very, it's not difficult, as you can tell during our conversation, but with certain terms. Even if it's individuals' names or last names, I will ask them either, how do you pronounce this? Or if it's a certain word, what does this mean? So it's not only I can retain the information, but also pronounce it correctly. And most importantly, be involved with the conversation with them 100%. You're right, because you do have permanent changes. However, something that looking at your website and we've we've talked about is we both agree that you can build a life that you love. And some of these changes in, in your habits, you can actually do them positively. So you are creating yourself again. You're born again. So what changes did you develop that you think are really positive changes in your life 2.0, James 2.0? Some of the positive changes was just, first off, it's just how my brain functions. I always had a learning disability uh, growing up, so going to school was always enjoyable, but I had to have certain accommodations. So after my brain injury, when I tried to go back to school, I really flourished and it was phenomenal the way that my brain had adapted out with the old and with the new and really adjusted. And another um, advantage, not saying, Hey, go out and get a brain injury. It's going to be a positive change. But some of the advantages that I was able to recognize is the way I think. I think differently, but the way you think results to how you act and how you act is who you are. So having that positive perspective really flourish and really pump a very powerful positive perspective or positive energy really changed my whole outlook. Perfect example is going through and living with this injury. Even though it is a lifelong journey and there are difficulties in everyday challenge, instead of analyzing it of why this, why me, I can't believe this happened, you know, about to be 12 years ago this fall, it's okay, it happened. But what can I learn from it? Every day is a new day. Adapt with it, grow. It's kind of the aspect of, you know, like with flowers, got to give it some water all the time, but it's going to turn out to be something phenomenal. Yeah. Well, that that's amazing. And it's something that I think um, we need more positivity surrounding brain injury because my experience has been a lot of negativity because the injuries are invisible. And so it's not like, for example, I have a friend who he had spinal cord damage and he's in a wheelchair and he's paralyzed from the waist down, which is very, very, very visible. And he can do backflips and double backflips on a sit ski, which is amazing. And it's all visible things. However, as a, as a brain injury survivor, you don't really see 
um, the the challenges and and overcoming them. And you do have changes in your life, but I really believe that you can build a life that you love and you can make relationships and you can have work and you can do that. And I think that we need to share with everyone that that's possible to build a life that they love after a brain injury. It doesn't just mean you're sentenced to a worse life. Amen. And I think it's also very amazing with your friend uh, with a spinal cord injury, being able to do those flips and functions and still live the life they want and be functional. I think that's also very inspiring for others, especially it's inspiring for those of us that have invisible disabilities. Because if you have someone like your friend that has a very visible disability, but he's not letting the disability ruin his life or run him, he's still him. A disability is just a term. Like us with the brain injury, even though you can't see it, it's an invisible battle that we have to live with every day. We can still live the life we want and be how we want to be because a brain injury is just a brain injury. Not saying it's no big deal. It is. It's an everyday battle. But nonetheless, it's just an item. You are still yourself. You still have the advancement to grow, learn, adapt, and most importantly, live. Amazing. And that brings us to what you have created, the TBI One Love. And what you do, you have a TBI family and you have a podcast. And so let's talk a little bit about what you do and what you're trying to accomplish. You know what? Thank you for the kind words. You know, in 2014, you know, it was just after the third year anniversary of sustaining my brain injury, you know, I had thought, okay, wow. And this is very common. I'm sure you can relate to this statement as well. When in, when individuals sustain a brain injury, it's a new world. And it's unfortunate how less talked about it's ever been. And it's been around for centuries, but nobody knows about a brain injury, unfortunately, until they have to live with it, even or their family, obviously, because it touches everyone when someone sustains a brain injury. But going back to that pattern on the third year anniversary, <clears throat> excuse me, I was thinking of, okay, look it. I know there's organizations for everything, but I've never heard of one for a brain injury. I mean, I know there's the association, like the Brain Injury Association for America, and they do it a great work, but why not start a different one that's really gonna not only help do the similar to what brain injury associations are doing is helping spread information, research, et cetera, but do one from a survivor perspective where it's helping other survivors understand that, look, you're not the only one. You have someone, instead of just being in the medical field, you have someone that is actually a survivor just like you wanting to actually have you join the team to work together to help make lives better, change the future, and make a better outcome for everyone. So I started that organization, and the whole goal was to spread a positive form of hope inspiration, education, and guidance to those that have been touched by a brain injury, and of course, awareness and prevention to the general public. And fast forwarding it to this year, I mean, if you think about it, it's been not only almost 10 years, a decade, but it's phenomenal how the voice is being heard, not only, of course, where it started in the United States, but through every state, through every country, it's really getting a mass amount of attention globally for the impact it's doing, but also having other survivors, caregivers, neurological, neuro, uh, neurological, neuropsychologists, et cetera, individuals that specialize in brain injury treatment research that want to get involved and really spread their information to help educate others and, of course, give different guidance steps to either caregivers or survivors themselves. Which is amazing. I think that one of the big 
challenges for brain injury is the communication field. Like you keep mentioning you feel alone when you have the accident and you don't know who to reach out to. Um, And there are certain steps that you can learn from an individual who has experienced it, like things you can think about or habits you can build or activities you can do that can help strengthen your, your healing journey. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important, and I'm sure you can relate to this statement I'm going to have, because we have an invisible disability, and we live in such a judgmental environment. It's not just talking now. It's been going on for decades where there's a big difference between judging and categorizing. Our brain naturally categorizes everything, whether it's people, places, food, items, etc. That's how we also use our memory base. But when you're judging someone, like for example, with an invisible disability, where we have difficulties doing things, communicating, even if we drive, uh, we drive but have a handicapped license plate, and people see us getting in and out of the car or acting a certain way in the normal life, people are judges thinking, okay, you're fine, get over it. Or if you say I actually have a brain injury, like no, you don't, you look fine. You're judging the outside, a book by its cover, but on the inside it is a completely different ballpark. And like you had stated, like I addressed. Majority of the time we do feel alone, and that's kind of the whole reason why I started that organization is because look at survivors. You need – instead of trying to explain it to someone over and over and over again or if someone asks, what do you mean? And like, okay, let me explain my story over and over. You need to have someone that is just like you. Even though with all brain injuries, no brain injury is alike, even if it's the same area of the brain, if it's the same way it was sustained, etc. But at least you know, okay, I can explain to you what a brain injury is and you're automatically going to know what it is. So I don't, I can just say it once and then I don't have to repeat or I don't have to apologize when I ask what a certain word is, or if I get lost in a conversation, whatever the case may be, because you're one of me and I'm one of you. Mm -hmm. And so what is the TBI family on your website? Yes, ma'am. The TBI one love family is an amazing opportunity where survivors and or caregivers, because as we both know, sometimes survivors are not able to be independent or function properly at all because how bad their brain injury is. Given the opportunity not only to share their story to help spread awareness and prevention, but also help other survivors and especially caregivers know forms of hope. Oh, wow. This is how they sustain their brain injury. This is their family. This is how they're living. This is what they're able to do. So it gives survivors that opportunity to share their story. So with that family, we have uh, over 400 survivors out of 14 different countries and our caregivers as well, not just survivors, but 14 different countries and over 400 survivors that are willing to join the family and help spread awareness. That's amazing. And then we'll move on to the next thing, your podcast. Yes, ma'am. So the podcast, I've been doing that for about seven and a half. This will be the eighth year. And what the podcast does is, again, it's spreading our positive form of hope, inspiration, education, and guidance, and of course, awareness and prevention. And it airs on the first, third, and fifth Monday of every month, covering 50 states and 32 different countries. We've had amazing guests on there, again, whether it's, of course, survivors, caregivers, neurologists, neuropsychologists, any other medical fields, brain injury rehabilitation, both medical and non-medical clinics. It's really amazing how many individuals really want to make an impact with brain injury awareness or specialize in the brain injury field that are really giving different opportunities for survivors and caregivers to know, hey, maybe we need to add that. Or if they have questions, they at least they know someone they can reach out to on a different level. 
So we're almost done with time, but what is the last thing you would like to leave the audience with? I would like to leave the audience with not only thank you for all you do and being a part of the show, but also if I can leave one thing, you know, to the audience, especially for survivors, you need to love the life you live because when you love the life you live, life will love you right back. If you'd like to learn more about our organization, please visit tbionelove.com or .org or find us on social media because together we are really creating a better outcome for everyone and most importantly, a better future. I am so pleased that there are more and more people and you, you've been doing this for a while, but just the communication is growing because as you mentioned, we need to raise awareness to love your life because it's possible to live a life you love after any trauma you encounter. That's right. Amen. It's all about what we feed our mind. That determines everything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I'll talk with you later. Thanks once again. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to Life Gets Mo Crazy. I hope you learned some new ways to climb an alternative peak after an unexpected trauma by listening to this episode. If you loved it, which I really hope you did, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your family and friends. If you would like to follow my Mo Crazy life, well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or my Facebook accounts at Jamie Mo Crazy or hashtag Mo Crazy Strong. So stay tuned for our next episode. Each episode is the last Friday of each month. And in every episode, you will learn something special and something new on how to climb an alternative peak. So thanks again for tuning in and go have a mo crazy life until we talk again.